freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Americanism, not globalism, will be our credo as long as we are led by politicians who will not put America first, then we can be assured that other nations will not treat America with respect, the respect that we deserve. And GOP Josh is a young conservative influence with a lot of power. You're listening to the voice of the future. Fighting for America every day. This is the Conservative Crusader. And here's your host, GOP Josh. Well, hello and welcome. This is the Conservative Crusader here on the Red Future Radio Network. Glad to be with you all today as always on this September 20th. Wednesday, year of our Lord, 2023. Great to be with you all, as always, here on the Red Future Radio Network. So let's start uh, really quickly, because I only have about two segments by myself with you today. We had Reed Raisner on. He's running for U.S. Senate in Wyoming. Took up about two segments with him. Great interview. I cannot wait for you all to hear that in the next segment. Um, But we have a lot of news to get to. It's been a a busy news week thus far. Not going to get into any budget negotiations in Congress. Kind of waiting for a resolution on that. Um, But let's start first, talk about the 2024 election. Uh, Then we're going to get to uh, some new January 6th allegations against Rudy Giuliani by a a wild person trying to sell a book. And then that should cover us until the Ohio segment. Um, So let's hop in here first and foremost Uh, The Oil and Gas Workers Association, uh, with 47,000 members, endorses Donald Trump in 2024 in a blow to DeSantis on the day he unveils his energy plan in Texas. Uh, They endorse Trump today. He is endorsing the energy plan uh, today. Governor DeSantis says a lot of the right things right, but his track record isn't there. Oil and Gas Workers Association President Matt Cote told DailyMail.com, in an exclusive interview. Uh, He cited Trump's withdrawal from the Paris Climate Agreement, his decision to exit the Iran nuclear deal, and the former president's work to save American oil oil and gas jobs as the reason for the endorsement. Uh, The announcement uh, comes the same day DeSantis announced his energy policy, uh, which includes plans to increase U.S. oil and gas production with the goal of achieving $2 gas uh, per gallon in 2025. Uh, I will ensure that this country does not have a rely on hostile nations for its energy needs ever again, DeSantis said in a speech in Midland, Texas. DeSantis' announcement comes as he tries to position himself as the policy-focused GOP candidate. His campaign has been trailing in the polls. Uh, Trump remains the front-runner for the Republican presidential nomination, a 46-point lead. So the Oil and Gas Association pretty much trolling Ron DeSantis. Uh, we do a little trolling. It's called We Do a Little Trolling. When they announced their endorsement of Donald Trump today, with him announcing his energy policy today, The great thing about Donald Trump 
is he doesn't have to do these policy announcement press conferences and announcements and campaign big blow up on their website. Trump doesn't have to do any of that because the president has already proven his track record. He has done the job. He has done a great job and he has the track record uh, to win again, right? And the track record to actually govern again. He has the record for that and he's going to do that again. And so the Oil and Gas Association, which is a big group, 47,000 members uh, supporting President Trump is massive. It's great to hear. Um, and it's great for the Trump 2024 campaign. So uh, Cassidy Hutchinson, you probably haven't heard that name in a while. You remember back to the January 6th uh, debacle with the the um, commission that was live streaming all their things on every cable news channel at 9 p.m. primetime television talking about the the destruction of the Capitol, the riot of the Capitol. Uh, Trump White House aide, the former White House aide, Cassidy Hutchinson, who was the speaker of it, alleged in her forthcoming book that Rudy Giuliani groped her backstage at the Stop the Steal rally on January 6th. Um, her book is out next week. Recalled the encounter with the former mayor and Trump attorney shortly before then, the then president uh, supporters ransacked the ca- ransacked the Capitol. Delayed the certification of President-elect Joe Biden's 2020 election win. Whatever you want to say, dude. Um, By the way, he says, um, fingering the fabric. I'm loving this leather jacket on you. His hand slips under my blazer, then my skirt, Hutchinson writes, according to The Guardian. Um, I'm not going to read the rest of that. That is... That is... uh, quite the accusation. I'll I'll link it in the show notes below if you want to read it. Very detailed for this program. This is a family program, ladies and gentlemen. And um, my biggest thing is, why would she not come out with this sooner? A lot of these people say these things to try to sell a book. Try to promote yourself. Try to make yourself known. Put your book on the best-selling list, which, by the way, I almost guarantee this book's going to be there only because she's a, a, a leftist at this point and she will um, get put on the New York Times bestseller list just by default. But I doubt these accusations are true because they're in a public place. Rudy Giuliani is not a, a kind of backstream, like, you know, laid-back guy. He is the president's lawyer. He's a former mayor in New York during 9-11. He is a a strong guy, you're, you're not going to tell me that this this happened. Right? You're not going to tell me this actually went down. Um, and if it do, did, you waited two years. It, was that important to you? That it, you waited two years? Um, did I get the dates wrong? for No, he was the mayor. Okay. I, I thought I got the dates wrong. Um, so yeah, you, you have a primetime audience for the uh, January 6th, whatever, the whatever uh, sort of conference they had the the primetime television you don't make these accusations about the day of then you wait till you want to sell a book and so that's all it is she's trying to sell a book and i'm not really into it and i'm not really into the whole situation there Uh, rudy giuliani is a great guy great lawyer um and he will continue to be a great lawyer 
All right, quickly here, folks, transitioning to the possibility of a government shutdown. If a a budget is not agreed to, the government will shut down. We know that. Um, George Santos, representative from New York, joined the program to talk about it. You can catch that a couple episodes back, um, where he's actually voting for the CR, the continuing resolution, uh, to avoid a government shutdown at this point because he doesn't want the people of New York um, to go without paychecks that are government associates. Um, But this is not going to involve social security a lot of people are out there saying i i can't vote for for a, a, a i can't vote against a cr because i don't want to stop social security payments if that was the case i would completely and totally agree um we don't want those who are relying on on social security to live um to be without pay but you you're not going to tell me that it's not it's going to affect it and, and so fact check fact check According to Verify, which is a a Tegna thing, whatever that is, um, a social security would not uh, would not be affected by a government shutdown. Let's just play the fact check because for those Republicans in the Senate trying to vote for this, here you go. Up the playing bad music. The clock right. is ticking. Congress has until September 30th to agree to a new budget and avoid a government shutdown. Approving the budget for the next fiscal year is an annual task that involves making sure that some government this agencies have the money boring. they need to function. This is this is the mainstream media, by the way. Those programs don't get funded and the government shuts down. Viewer Sherry asked Verify if a government shutdown would impact Social Security payments. So Sherry, let's verify using these sources. The Congressional Budget Office says Social Security is mandatory spending, meaning okay. it isn't funded by Congress. That, that's all it took. 36 seconds to say that. Um, they'll still receive their check if there is a shutdown. There's not going to be a shutdown. Um, they are very good at averting that. Uh, taking all the media attention up until the last moment and then averting it. And so we're not going to see a shutdown. We're not going to see individualized spending bills this Congress, I wouldn't bet. Um, but I guess we'll see, and we'll see where that goes. Hopefully, if we do see those spending bills, which I do hope we do, uh, maybe we'll have George Santos back on the program to talk about it. No promises, folks. Uh, but anyways, uh, after the break here, we're going to be sitting down with Reed Raisner, running for U.S. Senate in Wyoming against the radical rhino incumbent senator over there, John Barismo. Um, so stay tuned for that here after the break on the Red Feature Radio Network. If you want to call into the program, leave a voicemail, uh, give us your thoughts, uh, call in 574-675-6747. That's 57-GOP-JOSH-7. That is our patreon.com slash GOP Josh voicemail line. Not uh, not only used by those who support us on Patreon, available for anyone, but brought to you by those who do over at patreon.com slash GOP Josh. That's 57GOP Josh 7. Follow me on Twitter at GOP Josh 20. And we'll be right back after this here on the Red Future Radio Network. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. Hello and welcome. This is the Conservative Crusader with a special edition of the program today here on the Red Future Radio Network. Joining us now is a candidate for U.S. Senate from the state of Wyoming. His name is Reed Rasner. Uh, Reed, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for hopping on with us. Uh, so first and foremost, I didn't give a, a super long introduction to you. I want you to give, have a chance to introduce yourself. Uh, to the people and uh, why you're running for the U.S. Senate. Absolutely. So I'm a fourth-generation Wyomingite. I was born and raised in Casper, Wyoming. I'm just a normal, regular guy. So by uh, during the day, I'm a financial advisor. 
nothing special about me. I uh, invest people's money and I help them build wealth. I've uh, over the, well, the past 10 years, my entire adult life has been, uh, I've lived through war, recession, uh, and terrible economic times. And uh, after the uh, disaster 2020 election that we saw, uh, things changed in this country and uh, people are upset and no one's stepping up to change this country and someone needs to step up. So for about two years, uh, everyone kept saying, Reed, will you run? Reed, will you run? I didn't have any interest in actually running. And in March, I finally gave it some serious consideration and I told everyone I'd do it, but it's going to be my way. We're going to, we're going to run. We're going to do term limits. It's going to be America first, 100%. And uh, we're going to topple this uh, John Barrasso and get him out of here and start doing something good for this country because this country is on the wrong path. And we've got to start working towards something greater and better for all Americans, not just the uh, the upper echelon, the, the elite and the globalists, and, which seems to be being catered to right now. And I think that's the driving passion behind what's fueling my campaign in Wyoming. People feel left behind and they feel spited by our leaders and they, they need a champion. And I hope to be that champion. Before we get into the issues, and I appreciate the reason you're running and you're not just running for yourself, as many politicians do. Yeah. But before we get to the issues, um, you're challenging an incumbent. We saw how President Trump was able to ta uh, completely trample uh uh, um, what was her name? Liz Cheney's political career, uh, electing Harriet Hageman in that seat by endorsing her. Uh, do you think President Trump could support you in your campaign? I hope and I know President Trump, if he gave me the opportunity, would love me and love my campaign. I'm 100 percent not in this for myself. I didn't want to run and it took me two years of convincing to do it. Uh the people of Wyoming and the people of this country need some serious American first candidates that are going to do what is best for this country finally and forget the globalist agenda and people people need to, to be elected that can say no. And I, during my campaign, I like to say that uh, weak men create these hard times that we're living in and it's going to take strong men and women to overcome these hard times and people are going to have to go to Washington and be able to tell the globalists, the Black Rocks, the Finks, uh, the Ukraine, the Zelensky's, the Bidens, the Clintons, they're going to have to look them in the face and say, no, no more. Pelosi, Schumer, no more. McConnell, no more. We have to, across the board, say no to these people and start looking out for America's best interests. And even today, my posts, um, I was going through how much we've spent on Ukraine because Zelensky's coming back to Washington begging us for more money this week. 26 times my opponent, John, has voted in favor of sending money to Ukraine over the last year. Wow. With a fraction of that money, according uh, to urban and housing development, we could have completely eradicated homelessness in America, including all veteran homelessness. We could have finished President Trump's wall, a fraction, just a fraction of that money. And we could have repaired and fixed all highway systems across this country and done major infrastructure with just a fraction of that money and still had money left over had we spent that money in America helping Americans. And it's a shame what's actually happening in Ukraine. And it's a shame that we're fighting this proxy war and it's gonna lead to us going to an actual hot war and no one is talking about peace. And that's uh, very concerning for people like me and it should be concerning for you and young up and coming Americans and leaders. Uh, that no one is discussing peace and what that looks like, or even a forced peace negotiation with NATO. And it's scary.
It absolutely is scary, sir. And before we get into the deep uh, issues that I want to mention today, uh, from your perspective, you're running for office, what are the top three issues uh, the people of Wyoming are telling you that they are facing uh, them? And do you, what do you believe their top three issues are uh, for America and Wyoming? First and foremost in Wyoming, energy independence. Our energy community has been completely gutted, both by the Biden administration, the Department of Interior, and by our current leadership in the Senate. They're not, uh, I apologize, they're not releasing uh, those, uh, they're not releasing the uh, federal land leases. So our oil, our natural gas, our clean coal has come to a standstill in this state. Uh, and our economy is dependent on energy. We produce 13 times more energy than we use, and we truly do help fuel America. So getting America first uh, energy policies in place, especially for Wyoming, is a, a top priority. A second priority, term limits, and I've signed the pledge with U.S. term limits to vote for term limits, and that would look like three terms in the House, two terms in the Senate, and it would create a citizen legislator that is so important to getting us back on track in this country. You would, you would eradicate the politicians and these career politicians that we see are, that are in office for 20, 30, and 40 years. They would be gone. They would be forced to go in with uh, a set of campaign promises, make those promises happen, and then come back home. So they'll be forced to actually represent their people. And lastly, a balanced budget. And I'm working very closely with some economists and I do have a plan, and I'll be unveiling the plan shortly, to balance the budget, reduce the deficit, reduce overall government, because our government has grown to this huge monster, and we've got to cut a lot of the agencies out, I believe. Um, and I think we can do that in this Balanced Budget Act, and that's what I'm working towards. And I'll unveil that um, shortly as soon as I have it done, but I am working towards it. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the budget here. If you were in the Senate right now taking your opponent's place— uh, what, and you were at the negotiation table. We're on the, the front lines of the, the budget battle right now. What would be your number one spending cut today? Uh, the IRS and the ATF. All right. I completely agree with you there. Um, immigration, immigration is a big, is a big thing, thing right, right now. now. We, we have, have the uh, crisis up in New York as well as at the southern border, obviously brought to you by New York. And I'm I'm actually happy New York is experiencing it. They're, they're a sanctuary state, sanctuary <laughs> city, all that fun stuff. But what do you think our solution is for immigration? Should we close the border completely for legal and illegal immigration uh, temporarily? Uh, what should we do? Yeah, a temporary halt at the border, secure our border, stop the bleeding, get our arms around the situation, and then put a system in place that allows for legal immigration. Because I'm fine with people coming to America that want to have that American dream. That's what we. That's why our country was built and established. That's how we all came to be. And leaving that door open to people who want to come here uh, legally is so important so that they can have that American dream. But to just have them pouring over our border, I mean, we don't have a country anymore, like President Trump says. We don't have a country unless we have a border. We've got to stop the crisis at the border. So just today, the Senate GOP came out and they want to have a, a digital strategy along with a physical strategy. And I'm saying, we need to seal the border off with a physical wall. They're scared to say wall for some reason. I'm saying we need to have an actual wall, a very tall wall in place at the southern border that stops the criminals from coming over, the cartels, and ends the human trafficking. If they do come over, there's severe consequences. We need to have a deportation in place. You don't get to come over and stay, and it's not a, a catch-and-release system. We end that. There's actual things that the Senate and the House can do today 
to override what the Biden administration is doing. They're just failing to do that. They're, uh, they're bought and paid for, I keep saying. And we need to elect new leadership in this country across the board. Well, you're absolutely right there. Reed Rasner's with us. Reed, uh, R-E-I-D, Rasner.com. You've already mentioned Ukraine a little bit. What should we do if China invades Taiwan? What's the American response? Should we get involved at all? Uh, What do you think? Yeah, we have to get involved there. Uh, We've already got uh, treaties with Taiwan. So we would get involved there. I don't know that China would invade Taiwan. um, And I believe they've already said that if they do, we're going to take a a hardline stance. We have to be strong and we have to... uh, I don't think China would do anything in Taiwan if our leadership actually uh, had a show of strength. The unfortunate thing across the board in the White House, in the Senate, and in the House is our leaders are uh, not strong. They are they're weak, ineffective people who are 80 and 90 years old in a lot of cases who show no outward strength, and they cater to these countries and bend a knee to them. We have to have strength, not only at our borders, but we have to have strength globally uh, so that if anything happens, they know what our response is going to be. Uh, They may not know exactly what it's going to be, but they know we're going to respond. And I think that is a a key thing that we need to uh, make sure happens. So we need to elect a president who will respond, like President Trump will respond if anything happens in Taiwan. Um, He would bring peace to Ukraine like he did in the Middle East. Um, and our Senate needs to then back and our House needs to back the president and making sure that those things happen and have a plan in place. So uh, there's three branches of government and we still have a checks and balance system and we need to utilize that to our to our best ability. I really don't think we would have any uh problems abroad if it, if China wouldn't invade Taiwan if Trump was in office. But I, I get your perspective there, even if if it does happen then. Um. Runaway inflation is crazy right now. What is the federal response to inflation? I know you and said you you're said a financial, financial advisor. advisor. You know, know the money. money. Uh, what, what's your plan there? Uh, the, the Federal Reserve is very secretive with what they're doing with their monetary policy. And for years, they kept saying it was transitory inflation. They printed $30 trillion and told us it was transitory. And people actually bought this. The media told us it was true. Um, people actually bought a transitory inflation story. Even John, my opponent, says it's transitory. They're saying it's at 6 8%. It was much higher, and it still is much higher, and we could be heading towards possible credit crisis when we look at regional banks and the deposits there and what they're doing. We need to audit the Fed, not only the Fed, but the central bank, and we need to understand what is actually happening in these systems so that we can fix these systems. Um, And a complete audit would do that until we have uh, the knowledge of what's going on and where the monetary policy is coming from and why it's okay to keep printing money. um, We don't know what the response should be. So a complete audit would tell us what that response should be. Uh, But we we cannot continue, uh, have a continuing resolution to just print more money. We just talked $33 trillion today in debt. We have got to rein this in cut spending and reduce the deficit to strengthen the dollar. The dollar is uh, being completely decapitated right now. Our dollar is maybe worth 40 cents, 50 cents. I don't know, but uh, it's definitely not worth a dollar and it's not going to be worth a dollar if they keep raising the debt. And this is what I'm saying. It's going to take strong leadership and a lot of people uh, aren't going to like it. 
when agencies are cut and programs are cut, but that's what we have to do. For uh, 20, 30, 40 years, we've got a uh, blank check and Congress across the board has spent with no control and it's time to rein it in. And we're gonna face some hard times, whether it gets reined in or not. Uh, So we may as well just have some hard times knowing good times are on their way soon. Um, But it's gonna take some really strong leaders to guide us through those hard times and ensure the American public, especially in Wyoming, that we're gonna come out okay on the other side. I completely agree with you, sir. I have one more fiscal question and policy question, then I wanna kinda transition to the campaign side of things, because your policy doesn't really matter if you can't win the election, and I I like to say that quite a bit. Um, What's your trade policy look like? If you're on the negotiating front with China, with these countries abroad, are you a free trade person, an open trade person? What are your thoughts? Sure, and I agree with Trump on a lot of this. We had tariffs that got cut back. Um, I'm, I'm for trade, I'm for imports, I'm for exports. Um, but it has to be fair trade. And everyone says fair trade, but when we're paying China billions of dollars a year and they're not paying us anything or we're paying uh, for our NATO allies, like we're paying a lot of money in America and we're not receiving anything in return. So we're going to have to have actual fair trade or we're going to balance the scales with some tariffs to make sure our trade is fair to make sure American industries are repaired and our people are going back to work and can uh, we can start manufacturing in America again and we can be competitive on a global market right here in the States. And that's kind of where I would sit on trade. So I know Wyoming's a pretty Republican state, but let's say you're talking to a voter. They're a hardcore Democrat, but they're thinking about supporting your campaign. What are you going to work bipartisanly on in the U.S. Senate with the left uh, to get done for Wyoming? Sure. Um, And I've done this and I've spoken to several people across Wyoming already in my town hall events. Uh, And some of them were Democrats who actually took my yard sign. And I was very surprised. And I'm proud of that uh, because I'm a pretty conservative guy. Um, We can work bipartisanly on term limits. I think the only people in this country, well, they say 80 percent of Americans want term limits. Um, The only people I think that don't want term limits are the current elected officials in Congress and uh, Term limits is a bipartisan issue. Balancing the budget is a bipartisan issue. It has to be bipartisan. It, it just comes down to what 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 programs do we cut and where do the spending cuts come from? Everyone knows we can't just keep spending into oblivion. Everyone knows this. Um, and those are two of the biggest issues I think that we can bring across the aisle and reach across the aisle and come up with compromises. It's both sides lose. There's no winner. Um, on either issue, really, because term limits establish a citizen legislator. And on the budget, both sides are going to lose something, uh, conservatives and uh, and Democrats alike, in order to do what's best for the American people. But that's how this government should operate anyway, is we need to keep the American people in mind and at heart when we're legislating and make sure we're doing what's best for America. So both sides might lose, but in the end, the American people win. So according to my quick math here, and I appreciate that answer, about 15% of Wyoming is going to be the Gen Z age that's going to actually be voting. I'm not sure what that looks like in the voting uh, population. That's just overall. Um, I believe the Republican Party has been very lackluster in recruiting young people, besides knocking doors and being interns, to actually get involved in the public policy process, actually get involved in voting. Um, What is your campaign doing to reach out to young people to get involved? Uh, I mean, obviously you're doing this program, but other than this, um, how, how are you planning to reach out to young people? I'm forming and I'm, I'm in the works of forming. So I'm in the early stages. I'm about five weeks into my campaign, but we're forming a Gen Z coalition right here in Wyoming. 
And I already have several young people um, reaching out to me, wanting to support, wanting, asking how they can help the campaign. What can they do? Um, some of them are in college and they'll be back. Uh, so that's exciting. We're going to form a coalition for Gen Z and one for millennial voters to get people excited and involved. And I keep telling because there's a wide range of politics in Wyoming, even though we're a solid red state, we're not going to agree on everything. And that's okay because we need to get back to debate in this country where both sides can debate cordially um, on both sides and we can agree to disagree on some things, but I guarantee we'll agree on something and we can find common ground somewhere. So that's kind of the message that I've been talking, especially at my town halls, because uh, I've had quite the turnout and it really does settle down some of uh, the opposition at my town halls when we're face to face. And it's okay that we disagree on certain topics and we can debate those cordially without name calling. And then we both leave smiling at the end anyway. So there's been a very good reception across the state uh, with people who come in to the town hall a little bit angry and wanting to meet me and hear me and then a little bit hostile at first. Uh, but as soon as I, it's, it's okay to disagree and uh, we're not sitting behind a computer. We're not keyboard warriors. We're humans. I'm literally just a normal guy. Just a few weeks ago until I announced I was just a normal guy. Uh, this is all brand new to me. I'm not a politician and I'm unlike anything that they've seen in the state so far. Uh, but, uh, it's really exciting, and I, I, I've, I've calmed some uh, hostile situations down at our town halls, uh, and I think I've won over their support, which I'm very proud to say, because we can disagree on things, but we can still find common ground, and we can still work towards a brighter future for Wyoming, and that should go for all of America. We can still find common ground across the country. Well, that is great to hear, especially with your town halls. Now, would you consider Liz Cheney a friend? Uh, Liz Cheney, I'm sure, is a very nice person. I wouldn't vote for her. <laughs> just wanted to check that she's probably a lovely a lovely person i never got to meet her i, I talked to a couple I, people i, I said i'm her. having she's probably a lovely person uh, she will not receive a vote for me ever <laughs> she will well, not. that's good to hear. No, politically, I, 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 we're, politically we're a bit different but uh and that's okay see again that's okay because uh she doesn't know me but i, I don't know that she can say anything bad about me because she doesn't know me Right. I, I was talking to a couple of friends, like, make sure she's not, he's not a Liz Cheney guy. <laughs> so Liz Cheney. I, I, I had to get that across uh, for a couple of my friends out there. Yeah. So now to the big question, you're running against an incumbent. You have to have a lot of money. I don't know how the, the media markets work in Wyoming. I'm sure there's a lot of money that goes into it. Uh, I'm sure uh, the Senator is running for reelection. Uh, what's your game plan on the ground to actually win this primary against a Republican incumbent? So I have a strong grassroots game. I don't have the $7 million John has. Um, of the $7 million, when you look into his finances, only about $150,000, so 2.2% came from the actual state of Wyoming. So far, I've raised just about $30,000, and we'll do our reporting here at the end of the month. Um, so I, I don't have the money he has. Will I get the money he has? Boy, I hope so. I've been getting the support. Um, so uh, I think I'll be competitive. Either way, I'm forming a really strong grassroots campaign across the state. So uh, we're, we're organizing in each county. Um, I'll be visiting each county several times over the next year, and I've already started. Uh, my days and weeks uh, are getting a little bit mixed here, but that's okay. Uh, we're doing it for the people, and I'm going to have a very strong ground game. And my message is clear and concise, and it's strong. Uh, and there's really no politics involved. I don't have anything memorized, and I think that's uh, – 
what's really, really helping me is I'm not a politician and I refuse to memorize it. Everyone keeps telling me, read, memorize something, get an elevator speech. And uh, I'm going to shoot from the hip and talk from the heart and I'm going to call it like it is. And that's kind of been really successful for me at these town hall meetings, especially. Uh, and they've happened all over. I mean, we visited probably maybe eight or 10 counties already here in the past few weeks. So we're doing very well. Um, and we've had a really great reception. Uh, and I know John's getting a little concerned because uh, things are happening in the background. <laughs> and and uh, uh, if he wasn't concerned, they wouldn't be happening right now. So uh, I welcome I welcome a debate with John anytime to talk policy. And uh, I welcome the competition. And I uh, we're going to do something really special for Wyoming. And I tell everyone we're going to, we're going to, we're going to overturn the third highest ranking member in the Senate um, with a really good guy and my cell phone, because <laughs> I do a lot of videos and cell phone and social media stuff. And uh, I don't know that uh, John's got it in him. So he's kind of a photo op and handshake kind of guy. Well, I'm really glad to hear that, especially the part about you not memorizing a speech. Now, when you become successful, you become really well-known in the state. I'm sure you're going to. You're going to have those people that follow you around to every single event, yeah. you know, to every every different campaign event. They're going to be so happy not to hear the same speech every time. I got to say, I was that person for a while. I'd be so happy not to hear the same speech every single time. Uh, so I appreciate that. That's pretty much my list of questions for you, sir. Uh, Reed Rasner, R-E-I-D-R-A-S-N-E-R.com. Uh, where can more people find information about your campaign, get involved, donate, maybe help put against that $7 million? Uh, how can they find that? So go to uh, ReedRasner.com, and you can make any donations there. If you want to find out about my policy and my stance, go to uh, Reed W, and then Raisner, that's my middle initial, is W, on Facebook. So Reed W. Raisner, or just Reed Raisner, U.S. Senate, and my... Uh, my campaign will pop up on Facebook. I'm on Instagram, TikTok. I'm not very well liked over there, so I get quite a kind of pushback. Um, and uh, Twitter. So uh, I'm on all social media platforms, and I'm going to start my Truth Social very soon. I just have to figure out Truth Social, and it's so overwhelming uh, with all these different platforms. But we're gonna we're gonna make it happen, uh, and we're gonna give we're gonna give him a run for his money, and he's gonna spend all seven million dollars uh, one way or another. Is what I keep telling our campaign uh, management team is uh, we're going to drain those accounts and make sure uh, he doesn't have a penny left at the end of this. So we're going to spend the, the foreign money. We're going to spend his foreign money here, and we're going we're gonna to take care of business and do something really special for America. Make Zelensky put some money up. <laughs> well, he's probably doing They're getting ready to do their foreign policy this week, which is just a, a huge money laundering scheme at this point, I, th I have a feeling. So uh, you, I don't know if you saw them talking, but Barrasso came out and talked with Mitch McConnell today about it. So he already had his speech. Yeah, uh, Mitch, Mitch McConnell's a joke, and I, I hope, and I didn't get the chance to ask you this. I hope you wouldn't vote for him if, if you get in the Senate for for my majority leader again. Absolutely not. One hundred percent, Mitch has got to go. Um, but the, I don't think they're fooling anyone, and they're saying that the Ukraine dollars that they're giving Zelensky are being spent in America. That was their speech today. Uh, Would you should go watch it. Everyone should go watch this because it's complete BS, uh, and there's no truth to what they're saying. Uh, but we got him on the fence, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna keep pressure on him for the next year, and we're gonna see what they got. So, let's do something special for America, and very special for Wyoming. I hope. I think underdog candidates can perform, especially in smaller states like Wyoming. So, I think you got it in your Reed Raisner, R E I D R A S N E R dot com. Reed, thank you for joining me on the program today, and I hope you have a great rest of the time on on your campaign. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you very soon. Yes, sir. Back after this. 
You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. Fiverr is the world's largest marketplace for digital services, offers both buyers and sellers a digitally streamlined transactional platform. If you need to buy something, sell something, or whatever you want to do on Fiverr, just go to bit.ly slash GOP Josh Fiverr today to get your gig or to put your gig on Fiverr and help support the program as well. That is bit.ly slash GOP J-O-S-H Fiverr F-I-V-E-R-R. Welcome back, folks. This is the Conservative Crusader here on the Red Feature Radio Network. Uh, football update, because the Browns obviously did not play yet Monday when we did the program, because they were playing Monday Night Football against the Steelers, and they lost by four points, 26-22. Uh, I heard that was a game against the refs, too, but we'll see how that went down. Really quickly here, not a lot to talk about in Ohio. He went a little over with Reed Raisner. I hope you enjoyed that interview, by the way. If you did, make sure you write his five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get the program. Make sure you're subscribed and download the program. Helps boost us in the ratings uh, as well for the number one Ohio political podcast in the nation, in the world. Uh, and we are so glad to be here with you. So our Ohio segment today involves one one news story. Governor Mike DeWine tests positive for COVID-19. Now, I saw this story came out last night. And I said, now, how did I miss the news that President Trump is going to be in town? Because every time Donald Trump comes to the state of Ohio, uh, Governor Mike DeWine finds an excuse to not be there. Whether it's, oh, I have COVID. Oh, my daughter's, my granddaughter, my, uh, you know, my, uh, my granddaughter, she's running, I can't do the DeWine impression. Uh, Oh, my granddaughter's running cross country. All all these excuses to not be at the, the President Trump event. But the most commonly used uh, phrase by him is, oh, I have COVID. I can't, I can't be there. I have been exposed to COVID. Um, and so, I mean, whatever he, he tests positive for a cold. That's all it is at this point. Um, and I'm not really worried that it's going to go anywhere. I mean, he's, he has every vaccine on the planet injected into his scrawny little arms. I'm not entirely sure how he could get COVID if the, the vaccine is safe and effective. How does he even still have COVID? How does he, how does he catch COVID with such an effective vaccine going on, guys? I mean, this, this is the most effective vaccine in American history. Nothing else like it. That's totally not poison. Um, why is he still testing positive? So he was supposed to chair a meeting of the state's redistricting, uh, redistricting commission. And the meeting is taking place as scheduled that he won't be there uh, to be a chairman. So the Democrats actually released a map, and I kind of want to go into that as well because I don't have a lot to talk about when it comes to the the whole uh, DeWine COVID thing. But the <laughs> Democrats made a map because uh, that's their job. You know, they're on the redistricting commission. And they made a map that has 45 Democrats. Is it 45 seats? 43, I apologize. Safe Democrat seats in the Ohio legislature. They split Franklin County at least 30 times here. They split Cuyahoga County at least 20 times and Hamilton County about 15 times. For those who don't know Ohio, that's Columbus, uh, Cleveland, and Cincinnati, respectively. And they have a 
43 Democrat maps. So even under that crazy, crazy county splitting, they still can't even get close to a majority because we're 57-43 or 56-43. Nowhere close to a majority. Even under that map, their ideal map. Now, now they're a little closer with the with the Senate map, where they have split Cuyahoga County another ten times, Franklin County another fifteen times. Uh, I cannot see Hamilton on this map, but they're doing everything they can to try to steal the elections. And and Ohio has, I'll give it to Frank LaRose. I think we have pretty fair elections. I can't guarantee that. I haven't been to the the polling places, seen the uh, the elections being ran. But I think we probably have pretty fair elections, I'd like to say. They can't go to the ballot box and dump ballots full. And they probably do, but they, they don't, they're not as successful at stealing our elections that way. So they can't steal uh, state legislative races. So they have to draw the maps around them. Republicans should draw maps in Ohio because we're a Republican state. Democrats draw the maps in New York and you don't hear any of us crying about it. They, they draw stupid maps and, and maps that actually are pretty more conservative than they think they are because um, George Santos is just an electoral god. Um, but, I mean, you're not going to, to see this situation where Republic or Democrats can win the state legislative races in Ohio any other way without drawing their ideal maps that they approve, that they want to make sure go into, to, to fruition. That's, that's stupid. And they're, they're goofy maps. And the fact that we're still battling this redistricting commission, listen, we should just take the first maps we proposed last time and put them up again because we have a court now that's not a complete and total Democrat mayhem and we'll be able to get the, the maps through the court. So why are we even bothering with this redistricting commission uh, goofiness? This might be the last time the redistricting commission's ever used with the League of Women Voters, which is totally a partisan organization for the Democrats, if you didn't know that already, is trying to put through a ballot initiative in Ohio to get them to draw the maps um, by themselves. And so the League of Women Voters and Maureen O'Connor can draw the maps. And Maureen O'Connor is the rhino, the absolute, complete, and total League of Women Voters-controlled rhino, who we just got out of the, the chief justice position. She was too old to run again. And so she's out of there, finally. So why is she trying to, to, to keep having an impact in state politics by drawing the maps herself? It's stupid. And, and so I'm so glad that that she's going to be out of there. And, and this, I, I doubt this redistricting proposal is going to go anywhere. I believe we just rejected it four years ago here in the state of Ohio on the ballot. Um, but they're, they're trying to do it that way. So this redistricting commission is just a bunch of uh, theater, just like committees in Congress. They're not really finding out anything. They're not really discovering anything. Um, but they're going to to do what they can to, to make it look like they're actually doing something. The Republican maps are probably already drawn. They're probably already approved. And we'll, we'll see where they go here in a few days. But DeWine getting COVID and, and getting out of this meeting is kind of funny. I guess that's just his excuse to get out of any meeting he doesn't want to go to. Oh, I have COVID. I have COVID. I have COVID. I have a cold. I have a sore throat. Whatever else. All right, my friends, I believe we are running up here on the clock for this Wednesday edition of the program, uh, this September 20th, 2023, year of our Lord, my great patriots. Please make sure you rate this uh, podcast five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Josh For as little as $3 a month, we greatly, bigly appreciate the support. 
and use code TSMS at makehoneygreatagain.com. Now, most importantly, my friends, stay safe, stay healthy, and most importantly, stay tuned. A production of Red Future Radio. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. 